For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and welcome to another readout video from our Wednesday Wake Up newsletter. Now often in that newsletter, and in these videos, we have fun with the kind of nonsense people talk about climate change, including, for instance, blaming it for causing sheep to change colour. But we don't have fun because the issue isn't important, or because we don't take it seriously. We do it because, as G.K. Chesterton said, the opposite of funny isn't serious, it's not funny. But even so, the levity does sometimes desert us. For instance, when the CBC says that if Canada gets warmer, it will worsen food insecurity among Canadian First Nations, so we need a high carbon tax. No, poor diet on First Nation reserves and a lot of other problems are a very serious matter indeed, with complex causes that require a serious substantive response. But it's infuriating to hear people say that when it's already hard for them to get proper food in these remote communities, the solution is to make fuel more expensive. Whether the issue is transporting food in, or living off the land in the modern way, which includes motor vehicles, or storing and preserving food of any sort properly, raising the cost of energy, including gasoline, is going to hurt them badly. And to note one aspect of the story that is absurd, without losing sight of its seriousness, the underlying notion that if Canada's rugged, beautiful, but often harsh landscape did become warmer, the result would be fewer plants growing, fewer animals eating them, and fewer plants and animals available for First Nations to harvest, actually would be funny if the underlying situation weren't so tragic and the proposed solutions so likely to make things worse. And here we have to add that the best hope of genuinely self-sustaining, locally driven prosperity that many of these communities had seen in decades was energy projects, including those pipelines that these same non-Aboriginal urban do-gooders are busy obstructing, figuratively and in many cases, literally. And there's nothing funny about that. Other items in the newsletter include trying to figure out why we were promised the end of winter as we know it, and then we saw record early snowfall in the American Midwest, and the coldest September Italy's had in 50 years, complete with snow in the hills around Rome. And related, why the much ballyhooed disappearance of snow in the so-called Australian Alps by 2020 was instead uh, buried under massive snowfalls this year. And we also talk about whether Joe Biden really means what he says and what he thinks he means with, quote, I would transition away from the oil industry, yes. The oil industry pollutes significantly. It has to be replaced by renewable energy over time, end quote. You know, that over time sounds like an escape hatch. But remember when Justin Trudeau said, quote, we can't shut down the oil sands tomorrow. We need to phase them out, end quote. It did turn out to mean that he would crush every conventional energy project he possibly could. In the newsletter, we also note the mysterious return of the hole in the ozone, which, by the way, isn't really a hole, and there are actually two of them, and they never went away. But you know what we mean. The Montreal Protocol of 1987, phasing out CFCs, was meant to stop the ozone layer from thinning and let it return to what we believed was its natural condition. And it was considered such a success that it became a model for international action on climate change, for instance, Kyoto and Paris. But if the hole in the ozone came back anyway, it means there was something wrong with the science, the policy response, or both. And that in turn means that instead of shouting down doubters with dogmas, we need to keep an open mind about what happened, why it happened, and what we should do about it. Which also, we can't help adding, might be a useful approach to take on climate. 
We also share a powerful warning from Ivor Williams that while people have done a lot of strange stuff to try to change the weather in the past, and they've suggested some really scary stuff like nuking the Arctic that luckily they didn't do, the modern combination of certainty that we must do something about climate and certainty that we know how to do it could lead to some massive geoengineering products intended to cool the climate that might devastate it instead. Because we are as powerful as technology would have us believe, but we're not nearly as smart as pride would have us believe. And we also comment on a piece that wonders, why is it that in nations where people doubt that climate change is a big crisis, they're less likely to make emission cuts, though not that anyone's really doing much in that regard. And as always in the newsletter, we present some new scientific findings. One of them being that ocean currents seem to influence European temperature so much that there's little left to blame on, or at least attribute to CO2. And another from our collaboration with CO2Science.org showing that in Germany, as is usual, cold waves are more deadly than heat waves. And the third one, also from CO2Science, and this is returning to the absurdities that plague discussions of climate. You know, some alarmists have grudgingly said, yeah, okay, CO2 does help grapes grow, but they taste worse. This study says, nope, they taste just fine, and that complaint too is just sour grapes. As always, if you value the fruit from our vines, please sample them at will, share them widely, and help us cultivate them. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson.